We are so thankful you decided to take time out of your day to listen to this sermon. Central to all of our services is gospel-centered teaching led by our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Warren. Together, we are a church that seeks to follow Jesus every day, and we hope you are drawn closer to Christ as a result of this message. So Leon Logothetis, he was a, um, he was a very successful uh, broker in London when he decided to go on a road trip. But this wasn't just any road trip. Uh, in fact, this road trip would take him around the world. And he chronicles his, his whole road trip, his journey in a book called Kindness Diaries. The subtitle is uh, kind of gives you a sense of the book, Traveling the World on the Kindness of Strangers. He, he jumped on his scooter in London and started heading around the world. And all he would do was, he didn't take any money. He had, he had rules, he couldn't ask for money. He just went and, and wondered, would people take care of me? Could I do this? Can I get gas for my scooter? Can I get food? Can I stay? And he ends up staying with homeless people. He, he's taken in by some people at you know, extended periods of time where they just loved him in. And, and he tells all about this. And then he was asked later, um, what was your favorite country? Of all the people you met in the world, who did you, you, know, who'd you like the, the most? And it, surprisingly to me, he said Bhutan was his favorite country. Now, if you know Bhutan, some of our people um, have been to you know, Nepal, Bangladesh, where we're doing ministry there, literally the uttermost parts of the world from here. And, but Bhutan has what they call this, this, um, this gross national happiness index, a GNH, not a GMP. They have a GMP, but they have a gross national happiness index, a philosophy that literally guides um, the way that they govern, govern their, their country. They, 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 it's an index, a measurement on how happy the population is. Now, if, you, if you've watched much of this, uh, or, or, you know, I, I don't know, crazy things on the internet, but you can go in and see who are the happiest people in the world. We did a series not too long ago called Happy People. And I remember looking at that, did so again this week. At the top of the list, y'all know who, who what countries are generally at the very top? Always the Scandinavian countries. Don't know what's up with that, but, you know, first world um, Finland, you know, kind of Netherlands, kind of, they're always at the very top. Um, and so it's got to be, I don't know exactly how they measure all that, but here's what many of us have discovered, and even in recent days. So I recently got back from Africa, and what many of us know, and you saw it here, uh, when we serve among those who are in need, whether it's Jack Lowe, there was a group that was at the Hunger uh, Bank yesterday serving many of you with families serving here uh, just in our city yesterday. But those of us who have been around the world and been in very uh, deprived or, or abject poverty where we've seen it, we've discovered among believers that there is a joy, if you've ever seen this and experienced this, an inspiring, real joy that runs deeper than happiness. I think a lot of these happiness measures are based on, you know, maybe things they have, uh, Bhutan, not so much, but I think that what we see and we discover is there's a joy for those who know Christ that, that, that transcends all of that. It's why Jesus would speak to a hungry people uh, in Matthew 4, 5 through 7. Uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, he would say, blessed are you. Blessed are you when you live this way, when you live in the kingdom of God, having received his grace. And so what we see is that there, there's, a, there's a joy that transcends all this. And if you're curious, um, the U.S. continues to slip, and we're now at 15, 
primarily because of the division in our country and uh, noted uh, highest rates of anxiety and depression and mental illness found anywhere on the globe. So if we think that somehow all that we have materially and, 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 and affluence and whatever else, even education, if we think that's the key to happiness, we're proving that it's not. And so the point is this. I, I found myself in Kenya a couple of weeks ago with a pastor's conference, about 140 pastors, um, where I was training and teaching them how to lead. And, and I was among the greatest in the kingdom of God. And if some of these guys showed up here, this morning, you would think they're homeless because they're one step away. I mean, it's, it's hand to mouth. And, and it's, it's just curious to me that in a country where in the Declaration of Independence, our founders sought to protect the unalienable, the non-negotiable core rights of every person, the pursuit of life, liberty, and the, what? the pursuit of happiness. This pursuit of happiness is killing us. In fact, it's what the, the philosophers, not a Christian thing, philosophers called the paradox of hedonism, which is you don't find happiness by pursuing happiness. And I think the problem there is our sin nature. We're going to define happiness based on whatever's good for me, right? We see you do you. And that always leads to self-destruction. And, and, and yet it's found in pursuing, we know this, as Christians we know this, Happiness, joy, real joy, soulful rest and joy is found in pursuing someone else. It's found in pursuing Christ. Joy becomes a byproduct of that singular pursuit. Paul's premise in the book of Romans, he, he lays it out really in the first chapter, verse 16. There is a righteousness that's come to us apart from the law. Meaning, there's a righteousness that's outside of us. And you say, well, Jeff, what's that got to do with happiness? What's that up with this travel around the world, road trip? What is it? Here it is. Righteousness means rightness. There's, it, it means a lot of things. But the holiness, rightness of God and a right relationship with God comes not through our own doing, but it comes from outside of us. And I want to talk about that today. The great joy that it brings and then our responsibility. But, but the point is this. You'll never be happy until you're at peace with God Almighty. Then you'll be at peace with yourself, and only then, then you'll be at peace with others. Then you experience the blessed life. And so I want you to turn in your Bible to, to Romans chapter 10. And for the sake of time, I'm going to tell our tech crew, I'm going to jump, I'm going to leap uh, into this passage as we think about stories from the road. All right. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're on this road trip and uh, it has been awesome all summer long. But this road trip today, I want you to think about this, this kind of good news gospel road trip we're on that we have received his grace. Now, I'm not going to assume in a crowd this size, every one of us have come to a decision about that. Last week, we looked at the sovereignty of God. And if last week was real talk about the sovereignty of God, that is that he, he is in control of all things. We said if you read Romans 9 out of context, you will become a Calvinist. There's no question. It's very much the election of God, the doctrine of election. You read Ephesians 1. He chose you before the foundation of the world, is what it explicitly says that. And so if last week was about the sovereignty of God, this week is about the responsibility of man, 
of human responsibility. So let's talk about this. If we, get, if we go one way or the other, this is one of those mysteries we've said, that if you fall one way or the other, you, le- you enter into heresy, is what we call it theologically, and it'll lead to all kinds of trouble. So we're going to look at our calling, our responsibility to proclaim the hope that we have. You know, every time I go on a road trip, you're probably like me. I want, um, and now that my kids are older, I, like Stacy and I will go on a trip, and we find ourselves like, oh, I wish the kids were here with us, you know. Oh, I wish because people you love, when you experience something glorious and magnificent, you want everybody you love to experience it. It's why we're sending pictures, right? Look at me, yo, I'm at the Grand Canyon, you know, or whatever, wherever you are, because you're like, I want everybody to experience this. Or look what I'm eating. Check this out. I want everybody to know. Look how awesome I am eating this. I don't know what that's about. But um, we want to share good things with other people, right? So when you're on a road trip, you want everybody you love to be there. Uh, And then when you get back, you want to tell everybody about it. So we're on this trip and we're called to say, here's what I'm seeing. I looked out here today. This week I saw this. I saw God show up here. I want you to know about this. Let me ask you, are you sharing your journey with other people? What you're seeing God do in your life, what he has done. Paul's going to say there is a responsibility on every one of us who know the truth to share the good news with others. So in Romans 10, he starts in verses 1 and 2 by saying, Brothers, and this can be translated, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that would be his Jewish brethren, is that they may be saved. For I bear witness, I bear them witness that they have a zeal. He's saying, I, I'm one of them. I, I was one. I have zeal for God. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, uh, he's saying that it's possible to have a zeal for God, to be sincere in your worship or hopeful worship of God, and be sincerely wrong. When we were in Mombasa, every morning uh, went out the prayer call over the speakers across the city, uh, the Muslim prayer call, five times a day. 4.15 in the morning is when this, this took place. And, and I, you know, on the one hand, I'm going, man, this is dark and, depre- and oppressive. I mean, it really was that. Um, but, and, and I say that, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's good intention, and I, I don't want to judge like that. But I would say this, that they have a knowledge of God. Or, or Paul might even say, like the Jews, they, they understand the righteousness of God. I mean, I could, I, could argue, I could argue this. I wish we had a zeal for God. Waking up at four in the morning to pray. Five times a day intentionally. Stopping everything and praying. So before we throw rocks, right, Adam? It's like, wow. And this is what Paul's saying. They have a zeal for God. And I can say it this way. They understand the righteousness of God that he possesses. They don't understand the righteousness that he gives to others. Two very different things. And so this is what Paul's going to get to here. And so he's going to now. So I, I can say it this way. You know, the great question in life is this. Does God approve of me? Does he receive me? And if so, on what basis? Right. And so I could say it this way. Salvation by works is theoretically possible, but it is practically impossible, meaning pragmatically or really impossible. And so Paul's going to make a threefold defense for human responsibility after he just blew our minds in Romans 9 with God's sovereignty. 
These two things somehow existing, coexisting in the kingdom of God. So let's talk about the power of the gospel. The gospel is now available. Therefore, those who hear are accountable. I want you to notice my language. Very intentional. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to make statements. There's three of them I want to look at. Uh, pointing to our responsibility. Therefore, those who here are responsible. Look at verse 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end, this is the word telos, which means end, completion, fulfillment is how he said it. He came not to, to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law of, for righteousness. He's the end of it. To everyone who believes. I've said it often. Just as central to our salvation is his death upon the cross and his resurrection is the fact that he lived the perfect life for us. I can say it this way. We are saved by works. Every one of us are saved by works. But it's not our own works. It's the works of another. That's what Paul's saying here. It's Christ having completed this for us. So here's what happens. When I meet uh, people who have been longtime church members, whether it's here, maybe new folks, um, or wherever, I'll, oh, wow, tell me more about you. And you know what they do? They'll tell me, and I get this, uh, but to make a point, they, they'll talk about what they've done for God. Like, I was in this church, and I was in this church. I taught Sunday school here, and I was in the choir over here. I went on this mission trip, and I did this, and I did this, and I went on this. And, and, I'm, you know, and I get that. I mean, I would probably do the same. Like, yeah, you know, I used to do this, and now I'm doing But But here's the point. You talk to new believers who've just recently come to Christ. You know what they talk about? You know who they talk about? They talk about Jesus. They don't talk about themselves. Here's my challenge. When's the last time you talk about Jesus? When's the last time the words Jesus, Christ, came off of your lips? I mean, can I back up a little bit? In your, in your home. Among friends. Among the lost, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, when is the last time you, you uttered the name of Christ, confessing with your mouth what you believe? That's a great challenge for every single one of us here. Look at what he says here. Let's jump to verse 8. He's gonna, he says in verse 5 through 7, hey, you know, we don't have to go far away, up into heaven or down into hell. We don't have to go anywhere to find this, this gospel, Jesus, who's come to us. He's already come. But what does it say? Verse 8, he's going to offer commentary on Deuteronomy 30. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. He says, now it has come. The gospel has come, and now you are responsible. Some of you are here today, and maybe you have never settled this before God. You're still relying on your own self-salvation project, your own righteousness to be right with God. It'll never happen. And today's your day. And then look at what he says secondly. The gospel is universal, therefore no one is exempt. Look at verse 11. Scripture says, everyone... Wait, elect? Only the chosen? What? Wait, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, that is to say the religious, the irreligious, uh, for the same Lord is Lord of all 
bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. And here's our memory verse. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's all say that together. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Was that on the screen? Okay, take it off the screen. Try it again. Go. Yes, um, Romans. Ah, that's grace. That's called grace. Grace upon grace. Um, okay, keep memorizing your, your scriptures. We walk through this together. And then thirdly, what I want you to see as we kind of wrap this up, the gospel is clear. Therefore, the saved and the lost are responsible. There's no getting around this. Uh, if lost sounds like a churchy word, that's a biblical word. Those who are wandering, those who are still rejecting God's righteousness as a gift and seeking for their own righteousness to, to, to get them to Him, if you will, to make things right. Look at what he says in verse 14. How then will they call on Him whom they have, have not believed? And how, will they, or how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, don't get thrown off of that word, preaching. Like, Jeff, I hope you keep preaching. I'll, you know, we'll try to bring friends so you can preach to them. No, no, no. This is all of us sharing the good news. You are an euangel, is the word. Euangelion is the good news. Euangel, you hear the word angel there. You're a messenger of good news. That's every one of us. Every one of us. On this road trip, we find ourselves on sharing with others journey, the journeys from the road. You know, we're sharing experiences of our, our relationship with Christ. And then it says in verse 15, how are they to preach unless they're sent? We don't just hang out. We are a sent people on mission. And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I had this idea kind of, you know, uh, with our creative team, we, you know, let's just have everybody, last week announced, let's just not come with shoes on. Let's all come barefoot today. Yeah, thanks. To me, <laughs> where are your flip-flops, I guess. But here's the thing. I don't know if you have beautiful feet. Um, my wife does. She has beautiful feet. I don't know if anybody else has beautiful feet. I don't want to see your feet, all right? So what is, what is this about? He's saying, beautiful, not so much the feet. This is out of Isaiah, by the way, 52, where he's saying, a people in exile, there is a salvation coming. And the one who proclaims this good news is coming. How beautiful is the one who is sent? So we get there via our feet, if you will, or, or however you might get somewhere, all right? Whether it's in a car, in a wheelchair, on a train, in a plane, how beautiful it is for people who show up. With the good news, those are beautiful people. And, and here's what I want to do. I want you to, to see here, he says that then the, the saved are responsible to share the good news. And so what we're about as a church, and if you're a guest here, you need to know this. You can see some beautiful people on the screen here. As I just kind of celebrate for a moment what Christ has done through people who've gone to places like Kenya. Uh, I figured our people, through our very mouths, confessing, proclaiming the gospel about 2,000 People heard the gospel straight from us. We had a group that was sharing the gospel with 100,000 uh, people on radio, potential listeners on radio. We saw a lot of people come to faith in Christ. We've had groups in South Texas. Many of you have gone to South Texas with your family or others. Even recently, we had a, a great team that came back. Guatemala, we had a women's group that just came back. I could tell stories after stories if I had time. 
We had a group go to the Caribbean. Before they ever got there, Monica, one of our members, shared Christ with a guy sitting next to her on the plane, and he came to faith in Christ before he got off the plane. Because we're always on mission. Just because you go on a mission trip doesn't mean you're living the mission of life, right? We've had these summer camps throughout the summer with our children. Who, and it's all about reaching kids and telling them about Jesus. It's gospel-centered so that they can then impact their own families. We've had a group of junior high students, you may know, who's gone to Colorado with the church plant we're involved in there. They've gone a couple of years now to help Josh launch this church, and it is flourishing. We've had a group in South Asia, which is literally, again, the, most, the uttermost parts of the world. We had a group of high school students who've gone to, uh, to the U.K., and sharing in really a post, right, post-Christian kind of context, we had a group of, this week of junior high students, about 20 over at Jack Lowe Elementary, this week, um, serving in order to share the gospel. Some of you were at the Children's Hunger Fund just yesterday. Families, parents teaching their kids how to serve, all in the name of Jesus. So listen, we are responsible, friends. You are responsible. You're like, am I my brother's keeper for real? Yes, you are. And I am. My family, my neighbors, my friends. How will they hear if you don't tell them? This is what Paul is saying to us. And so here's the thing, though. The lost are responsible to receive the good news. It's not on us. They're responsible. We're simply to be faithful. And so he closes this in verse 16, 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Not everyone has. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. He's saying this is, this is the progress. This is the process, if you will. This is the anatomy of evangelism. It's this. You, you, you proclaim. You hear. And, and, and then you are changed. In verse 21, God is faithful and unchanging. Therefore, the crux of responsibility remains. He says this in verse 21. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient, contrary people. What's he saying? He's, hey, uh, those who will receive, I'm going to those who will come to me, who have chosen to come to me, so that when, when we enter into heaven, we'll know that uh, over the door of heaven, uh, it, it was uh, Barnhouse, a great Bible teacher, who said, when you, when you enter into heaven, it could be something like this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to say, whosoever come. Revelation 22, 17. Once you get in, you're going to look back and see Ephesians 1, 4. It says, chosen before the foundation of the world. So here's my challenge to you. Who do you know who does not know Christ? I want to ask God to place that face, that name, that soul on your heart as we close our time together. Okay? So let's all, let's all just bow our heads and close our eyes and I'm just going to guide us in, in really kind of an unusual way to close the service today. But it's where I think Paul would guide us. I think it's where the Spirit is leading us. To focus our hearts on people who don't know our Savior. I'm sure you came here today with a need for encouragement, and I, I trust you've received that. You needed to be reminded of the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. Live the perfect life for you died on the cross for your sin, took on the punishment of your sin. He, he, he was buried. He died a death that you would not have to die. And then He rose again, conquering death and hell so that we could follow Him in resurrected life to live new lives. 
And friends, if you've not received that, that is the gospel. If you've not received Him, today is your day, right now. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me the person you've created me to be. I receive your grace. I respond with a life of worship. And now ask the Lord to convict your heart to care enough for people you know in your family or in your life who don't know you, who don't know the Lord. I want you to see your face. Who's your one? May the Lord convict you. May He put them on your heart. May you love them enough to share the good news. Lord, help us to care. Help us to share. And help us to constantly be in prayer for those in our lives who need you. So we give you our lives. We commit ourselves anew as a church family, as as disciples, as good news receivers now to be good news bearers, proclaimers. We give you our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon. Come and join us as we seek to follow Jesus every day. We meet every Sunday at 9.15 a.m. for our small group Bible studies called Connect Groups and 10.45 a.m. for worship. We hope to see you soon at Park City's Baptist Church.